We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. I'm your host, Josh Nelson, alongside the managing editor of SoxMachine.com. It's Jim Margulis as it's Thursday night, November 16th, 2023, and it is a special day. Well, not a great day if you're an Oakland A's fan by any stretch of the imagination. But if you like Shohei Otani or Ronald Acuna Jr., if those are your favorite players, tonight is pretty special for them. But for me, this day is always special because it's my birthday. Yay! This is the Josh's Birthday Podcast episode. And uh, that's pretty much it. It's time for us to play the Free Agent Pick'em Contest. Yes, we're going to futilely, futile, whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're going we're gonna to try to make our best guesses on where the top 10 free agents are going to sign. And then as our tiebreaker, we're going to try to predict and who will be the biggest free agent signing for the Chicago White Sox. As for those that are watching on YouTube, the video, you can see some of the faces. And for those that are on the podcast, we'll list as far as 1 through 10, who we think is the best free agent. Obviously, it's going to start with Shohei Otani going all the way down to number 10, making our picks uh, a lot of pitchers in the top 10 uh, when it comes to the free agent pick them. And we start with the guy we were just talking about, the American League MVP, Shohei Otani, and using ESPN's contract projections. So this is a combination of what Jeff Passan is hearing uh, and other staffers at ESPN from... Anonymous sources, whether those MOB executives, agents, everyone talks in baseball, but they don't want to talk on record. What type of contract that Shohei Otani could possibly sign? And projected contract along with, I also should mention Kylie McDaniel as well. Kylie helps Jeff pass it a lot with these projected contracts. The projected contract for Shohei Otani's 10 years, $520 million. That is a big sum of money. And Jim, when it comes to Otani, I'll have you start here. What is your prediction? Where do you think Shohei Otani will sign in this offseason? My guess is as good as any, but it seems like the Dodgers have been lining up their ducks for this, basically like getting like 
spending this past season kind of getting by in order to reset payroll, clear money, clear away for him. So it would seem like they would be the favorite to me and I can see others too, but I just keep coming back to that. If he signs the Dodgers, it'll be like, Oh, that was obvious all along. So I'm going to say Dodgers. Yeah. I'm going to agree with you. What we try to not agree with all of the picks, but I'm with you as well. The one team, obviously in Chicago, there's a lot of buzz about the Chicago Cubs going after Shohei Otani. And I do not doubt the Cubs interest in going after Otani. But one, it's the Dodgers. They have success landing these mega deals, like more than 300 plus million dollars. The Cubs spend a lot of money and they have spent serious money on like Jason Hayward and John Lester, for example. But the 300 plus million dollar contracts is a whole different draft here when it comes to MLB free. And we haven't seen the Cubs be able to, to land a big player on that type of scale. So if it's between the Dodgers, I'll, I while for the Chicago Cubs to go after Otani, I just don't like their chances because Otani would not have to move uh, from where he currently lives playing for the Los Angeles Angels. He could stay where he's at and go sign for a bunch of money with the Los Angeles Dodgers. The one team I'm keeping an eye on, though, is the Texas Rangers, Jim. The defending world champions. He knows the stadium. He knows the organization playing against him. He knows how good the Rangers are. And the, other than money, which he wants to be paid fairly for his services, and I don't blame Otani, winning is going to be a huge factor in where Otani ultimately signs. So I'm with you, the Los Angeles Dodgers, but if you're looking for a dark horse in the race, the Texas Rangers, I think, have to be considered seriously for Otani services. Because you know the Rangers need Otani's bat in their lineup. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, what's funny is with the Cubs, you know, like I've seen – White Sox fans, like some of them dreading them, but also some of them saying like, oh, that'd be kind of cool. Or like, I don't like, the, you know, it, it would make Jerry Reinsdorf and Brooks Boyer's job harder. So go for it, Cubs, sign them. Like just, just bury them at this point. I don't care. So I think that's a little bit of a tipping point to me in terms of like how sour the relationship has gotten between the White Sox front office and their fans. If like a sizable chunk, and even if it's not like even close to the majority, like, uh, a loud minority is saying like, yeah, I don't care. It'd be exciting for Chicago baseball. So what the hell go Cubs go nuts. And uh, you know, uh, we'll more or less shrug at it. Alex in the YouTube comments is predicting Otani to the San Francisco giants, 10 years, $580 million. Let's see if the giants doctors would approve Otani's physical to finalize that signing. Uh, uh, and hopefully they figure that out before hours before the introduction press conference. Uh, a, a slight jab to the Giants organization for the uh, Carlos Correa signing and non-signing last year. All right, that's Otani. Let's go to another Japanese baseball player. This is a fascinating. The more that I read about him, the more I watch, uh, I'm intrigued. And that is Yosh Yoshinubu Yamamoto. Projected contract from ESPN is seven years, $212 million. He was phenomenal in the postseason. He was phenomenal in front of many MLB executives like Brian Cashman of the New York Yankees and scouts. 
And when it comes to the pitchers, this is a pretty strong free agent class, Jim. There are a lot of experts nationally that think Yamamoto is going to sign the largest contract of all the available pitchers because he is younger. He's just 25 years old. Do you have any inkling, any good guesses on where Yamamoto may sign? Well, you go first on this one. All right. I have the New York Mets. Yep, I do too. Damn it. Oh, my God. Okay. The reason I've got the Mets, and I'm wondering if it's the same reason that that you have. So obviously we need we, we know Steve Cohen. Cohen's mm-hmm. gonna spend the big money. But with David Stearns, this is a type of player that he couldn't even dream about going after when he was running the Milwaukee Brewers, right? Mm-hmm. Ownership no way would approve the money to sign a player of Yamamoto's caliber. But now David Stearns has taken over and obviously going back home is a big draw for him. But working with an owner like Steve Cohen, which fiscally there are very few limitations and the fact that the Mets were able to dump, well, yeah, dump as far as the upcoming years of Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer's contracts off the books that even though they don't think they're going to be all that great in 2024 at age 25, Yamamoto can help rebuild as far as the starting pitching staff. It can help lead that. So that's why I'm, I'm viewing the Mets here, even though they still may trade like Peter Alonzo and they may mm-hmm. make other moves that doesn't look like they're going to be contending for the national league East title in 2024. But Yamamoto definitely helps him in the near term, either in 2025 and beyond. So that's why I'm going with the Mets. Yeah, I went with the Mets because, as Azenrek noted, that the, uh, Kodai Senga has the same agent. And ah. he had a nice uh, uh, introduction to uh, Major League Ball and a, a smooth transition from going to Japan to the States. So there's that. There's a little bit of a precedent there. Also, uh I initially thought that it might be like a case where he signs the Yankees because the Yankees have been the kind of team to uh, pony up for Japanese talent before, like Masahiro Tanaka. Like they set the market previously paying, I think, 150 million or thereabouts for him. So they've done it before. Uh, But there was that storyline with uh, uh, Brian Cashman ripping Giancarlo Stanton and saying uh, that getting hurt is a part of his game. And Stanton has Yamamoto's agent as well. They share an agent. So uh, the agent said that, uh, you know, I'm, you know, we'll have to take this into account when it comes to our clients, whether they're, uh, you know, here already or overseas about like what it's like playing in the Yankees for this team. And the Mets, you know, they just showed that they can be a great home for these pitchers. Like they're going to be paying top dollar. They got burned last year by investing in a two older rotation with Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer. Like that didn't quite work out. So going younger when they have just saying Jose Quintana and then like the other three spots are up for grabs. So if you're looking for like ways for them to reinvest in the rotation, that would seem like the best way to do it. We did get another uh, prediction here. So John in the YouTube comments section for those watching live stream, he likes the Seattle Mariners picking up Yamamoto. That would be a ridiculous starting rotation. I mean, the Mariners already have excellent starting pitching, but if they were able to sign Yamamoto, like that would be, they may have the best starting rotation in, in Major League Baseball if they were able to pull that one off. 
Yeah, because I would knock. I'm looking at their rotation. Marco Gonzalez out of the rotation, maybe. Yeah. So yeah. Castillo, Gilbert, Kerr. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, it'd be ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, that would be ridiculous. Seattle should go for it. It'd be, it'd be interesting. So, so far, Jim and I were two for two. Let's see on number three, if we are three for three, thinking along the same lines. We did not collaborate before this. ESPN's projected contract for the 2023 National League Cy Young winner, Blake Snell, is six years, $150 million. Jim, where do you got Blake Snell signing? Let's start to just throw a team first to see if we match the Giants. No. Okay. Who do you got? You're, you're going with the Giants? Yep. I'm going with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Okay. I can see it. Giants need pitching. Like they are, uh, you know, they got uh, a little bit burned with like their, you know, half measures or at least the, you know, Sean and I didn't quite work out. Ross Stripling didn't work out. So they have some money. They're lined up to spend a uh, nice big ballpark for, to invest in pitchers. And I think uh, like, it makes sense. I think he's a Northwest guy. So like geographically close enough to the, uh, you know, Pacific Northwest, I think to be amenable to him in terms of if teams are offering the same thing. So that's why when the giants, but more of a off the cuff guess in terms of like the Dodgers can't sign everybody. If they sign Otani, will they have the money to sign a Snell or, you know, will it be a case of just another team wanting them more? Yeah. We have this prediction from Sir Thomas in the comments section. He's got Snell to the Philadelphia Phillies. To replace Aaron Nola. We'll get to Nola in a moment. I, I do like that prediction. The reason I got Snell to the Dodgers, the Dodgers are well aware of how good Blake Snell is. He's been a thorn in their side, especially when it comes to the postseason. They're well aware what he can do on the mound. There are some questions about Kershaw. Julio Reyes is also a free agent, but he is currently suspended for a second domestic violence uh, situation. I, I don't know. I haven't been keeping track of that particular story. I don't know how far along it is, but the players association, the league have continued to put Arias on administrative leave. So the Dodgers, again, here we go another off season and they don't know the situation about Julio Reyes, but he is a free agent. I don't think any t- team's going to touch him. The Dodgers have a lot of young pitching that we saw, and that young pitching did help the Dodgers win the National League West. But it's got to be more than the division out in Tinseltown for the Dodgers. They're trying to win a championship, and they need someone to start in rotation to lead that rotation. We'll see where Walker Bueller is coming off Tommy John surgery. But even though I have the Dodgers signing Otani, Otani can't help you pitching until 2025. So that's why I think the Dodgers go way beyond the luxury tax and also sign Blank Snell to lead that rotation. Makes sense. Yeah, and I, uh, Ian Eskridge in the comments saying that uh, the Orioles finally spent some cash and get an anchor for the rotation. I thought of that as well, but we got burned on uh, both predicting Carlos Rodon going there. So I'm not sure if they're ready to spend that much for rotation help i'd like to see him probably take an intermediate step and uh i guess i might be uh, spoiling a little bit in terms of like a, mm. a pairing i have later on all right okay so that's our top three let's go to number four in our list and i think he's already drawing a lot of interest and that's aaron nola from the philadelphia phillies and espn's projected contract for nola 
is five years, $120 million. I find this number to be interesting. So before I give my team prediction for Aaron Nola, Jim, mm -hmm. if you believe that Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams convinced Jerry Reinsdorf to go after Zach Wheeler and offer five years, $125 million, then if Jerry Reinsdorf still wants to win in 2024, the logic would be, Jerry, if you're okay to give that type of cash to Zach Wheeler and that's been working for Philadelphia, you should be comfortable handing out $120 million to Aaron Nola for five years and roll with Aaron Nola and Dylan Cease to lead the starting rotation. Like when I saw the projected contract amount, I thought, okay, this should be on the White Sox radar if they're actually serious about contending in 2024, but we have been skeptical of that. So my prediction for Aaron Nola is the St. Louis Cardinals. The Cardinals have made it very clear, Jim, they need starting pitching. Already kicking the tires on Dylan Cease to see what kind of players the White Sox may be interested in in exchange for Cease to help out with the rotation woes. But here, the Cardinals get their ace and Aaron Nola. Who do you got Nola going to? Well, we're back to matching because I have the Cardinals as well because <laughs> uh, Moseliak mentioned that he wanted innings from his starters. And he said that, you know, they'd gotten away from like some of the big, um, I guess the big picture concepts of building a roster and that like, they looked at the margins too much and realized like, we're not getting enough innings from our starting pitchers. And we look at what Nola has done 180, 205 and 193 innings over the last three years with some postseason appearances mixed in there too. So he's been uh, durable enough to where like, even if last year was a little bit of a setback in terms of performance and home run rates, like the health's been there. And I think he gives them the in season durability and the, in starts stamina that I think uh, they want, or at least they've described that they want because I thought Blake Snell going there too, because they do seem to be uh, mm -hmm. in the market for starters, but Snell is more of a guy who's carefully managed and, you know, he pitches on the lighter side of innings counts, like uh, maybe only goes, uh, you know, five and two thirds when, you know, another pitcher might go one inning longer because of his, uh, you know, I guess, a little bit of uh, inefficiency problems. You know, the walk rate's a little bit high. Some at-bats drag on a bit longer. So if they want innings, I think Nola would be the guy that they, they invest money into. All right. So out of the four, we're only different on Blake Snell right now. Uh, so either we're going to look like geniuses, Jim, or we're going to look like idiots together. Uh, if Otani, Yamamoto, and Nola sign elsewhere from where we predicted. So that's... We Otani's a DH for 2024, but we think that he's going to pitch again no matter where he signs. So your, your top four right now are like these pitchers and then Otani being a unicorn. Our first true position player pops up at number five, and that's Cody Bellinger, who had a big bounce back season with the Chicago Cubs this year. ESPN's projected contract for Bellinger is seven years, $147 million. Now, that's way too rich for the White Sox blood, but that's like right in the wheelhouse for the Chicago Cubs if they wanted to bring back Bellinger. But Jim, where do you got Bellinger playing in 2024 and beyond? I feel like this is a chalk pick, but the Yankees, uh, okay. they could use some outfield help, some versatility in their defense but also like you know good defense which he provides left-handed bat short porch his dad played there so there's that kind of hook and you know when you looked at like i thought like oh tony might be a fit there and you know if they're truly 
flexing their Yankee financial might, like maybe they'd go for him. But since they're not, and since they do have some guys that need to rotate in and out, like the figures, like somebody who's a good bet to play good defense wherever he plays in the field, seems like a good fit there. Yeah, with me thinking that the Cubs are not going to sign Otani, this is where I think the Cubs spend their money and bring back Cody Bellinger as he was a big boost in their lineup. And if they're not able to upgrade money-wise and be able to land Otani, I think they need to quickly pivot and bring Bellinger back into the fold. Uh, especially now that they've hired Craig Council. They're, they've given Craig Council the largest managerial contract in Major League Baseball. They could use some star power, and I think it would just seem like a natural fit between Bellinger and the Cubs. So I think the Cubs lose out on Otani, but they sign Cody Bellinger to come back. Uh, so yeah, that's I think where if, we are if, different. Yeah, if you were going, if you picked the Yankees here, I would have picked the Cubs, like just to be different, because I feel like it was kind of both to me. The one thing I wonder about the Cubs and just like how they approach it when it comes to somebody like Bellinger, uh, because I'm not really a gambler, is like they got such a good return on the investment they made last year, just like, you know, just a one year deal getting a great, um, you know, uh, way better rebound than anybody could have expected. Even there's an injury in the middle of it and he still bounced back and played pretty well uh, afterwards. And so like, I just wonder if they look at that and say like, I'll cash in my winnings. I don't need yeah. to try to roll this into a huge mega deal that might, uh, if he has like the shoulder problems recur or just is a naturally volatile player, uh, they might say like, oh, we are better off just leaving it at one year. So, but that's a case where I'm not a betting type. So mm -hmm. perhaps that's my mindset uh, kind of getting in the way of how the Cubs will operate. I think the Yankees right now are the betting favorite to sign Cody Bellinger. So if you are a betting man or woman listening to this, go to the sports book. I think the last time I saw it online, the Yankees are favored to sign Cody Bellinger uh, with the Cubs being the, the second favorite. I, again, I just think it was a it was a good fit as far as what he's looking for and how he performed at Wrigley Field. And if you they if you don't sign Otani, Cody Bellinger is the best position player in my opinion in this free agent class. Uh, so that is a great plan B. But if the Cubs decide not to bring back Cody Bellinger, I'm not exactly sure on how you improve that lineup. Right now, they're talking about trying to take Christopher Morrell and make him part of a package deal. That's the early rumor coming out of Queens for Peter Alonzo. I think that would be kind of interesting, but it's the Cubs. You should be able to have both Bellinger and Alonzo in your lineup uh, to really boost that. What should be a pretty competitive National League Central. Uh, we did get a couple predictions in our YouTube uh, chat here. Uh, so mailman Jack had uh, Cody Bellinger to the Detroit Tigers. Uh, and he says, book it. Uh, I would not be happy. Uh, but mm -hmm. I mean, the Tigers have surprised us before they signed Javier Baez. That deal's not working out well for them. Uh, but Matt also made a interesting comment. We talked about this a, a few weeks ago on the podcast. He wrote in an alternate universe where the White Sox were competently run. Bellinger would make all the sense in the world for the reasons Jim mentioned for the New York Yankees. And Jim, Matt's right. I mean, if again, if the White Sox are being serious, if Jerry Reinsdorf was being serious about contending, 
you give Cody Bellinger seven years and you sign him and move him over to right field. And there you go. You have finally figured out your right field solution. Left-handed bat. Could bat in the middle of the order. Let's go. That's exactly who the White Sox need. And because of how big of a contract Bellinger's going to sign is the reasons why Jerry Reinsdorf won't sign him. So, spoiler alert, Cody Bellinger's not my big free agent signing for the Chicago White Sox in this pick'em. But, yeah, I agree with Matt. Bellinger makes all the sense in the world for the White Sox. But I've got the Cubs, and Jim's got the New York Yankees. All right, let's see if we get back on the same page here again. And moving over to Jordan Montgomery. So, big trade acquisition for the Texas Rangers and Jordan Montgomery is part of my Sox machine offseason plan project. If I were running the Chicago White Sox and Jerry just approved everything that I did, uh, I would have the White Sox signing Jordan Montgomery as ESPN's projected a contract of five years, $106 million. I think Montgomery is worth it. And if the, again, if the White Sox were serious, that should fit right into the White Sox spending habits as they have a lot of money coming off the books in 2024 and beyond, and they could use someone to help lead the starting rotation. But Jim, I guess I'll start here. He was so pivotal to the Texas Rangers, especially in the postseason, to their success in winning that championship. And because the Rangers have some uncertainty with Jacob deGrom and not knowing when DeGrom was going to be coming back and the whole Andrew Heaney and Martin Perez, I think Heaney opted into his player option. So he'll be back, but Martin Perez is going to be leaving. So the Rangers have a job opening in their starting rotation. And I think this was just such a great fit that I, I have Jordan Montgomery coming back to the Texas Rangers. Okay. Where do you see Montgomery signing? This is where I have the Orioles coming in. So, uh, I don't see them being players for like a Snell grade contract or a Yamamoto, like even though like Yamamoto, I don't know if Baltimore is a place where like the biggest Japanese talent would sign just because of you know, either market or you know, uh, populations, et cetera. But like, if you're looking at uh, the Orioles investing in a starter, like he's young enough, he provides enough innings and he's lefty. So even when he gives up homers to righties, like that's where you want to put a guy, uh, Baltimore with that big cavern in left field. Uh, that's going to cut down on whatever mild home run issue he has against right-handed hitters. So that's why I think he's a good fit. And I think like that's a price that the Orioles can afford to pay. And they're good enough when it comes to just like an ascendant team to where like they can compete, I think with any uh, mark or any player for, uh, somebody who wants both top dollar or topish dollar and being in a place where they're going to be getting postseason starts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show 
by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. It makes a lot of sense for Baltimore to jump into that type of level of spending into that fray to help boost the starting rotation. But do you see the current ownership of the Baltimore Orioles doing that? I know they just signed a pretty lengthy lease to stay at Camden Yards, so there's some financial security there according as far as like where their stadium is going to be, and they're going to be developing that area of Baltimore more to help support the Baltimore Orioles. But I just have a hard time seeing the Orioles ever spending that type of cash to get a pitcher of that caliber like Jordan Montgomery, even though, to your point, it makes all the sense of the world because that Orioles team won more than 100 games last year, and they're ready. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are going to pick the Baltimore Orioles to win the American League pennant in 2025, and I can't blame them. They just got to be better in the starting rotation. And I, I'm with you. Jordan Montgomery makes a lot of sense for the Orioles. I just don't know if ownership has the courage to be able to sign that type of contract to net Jordan Montgomery. Yeah, this is me learning. I adjusted from Rodon, but I still want to see it happen. So Montgomery seems more reasonable. Okay. All right. So let's go to Sonny Gray. Lowest of the top 10 for projected contract because of age. Three years, $69 million. And with the Minnesota Twins, Cutting budget and cutting payroll, it doesn't sound like Sonny Gray is going to be coming back. So, Jim, where do you got Sonny Gray signing this offseason? This is on a lark. I guess they're all on the lark, but, I mean, here's a case where I don't have a specific reason aside from, like, they could use a pitcher and he fits within uh, what they're spending elsewhere is the Phillies. We are back to being on the same page. Well, I, I'm I'm with you on Sonny Gray going to Philadelphia Losing Aaron Nola, I think would hurt would hurt Philadelphia. They still got Zach Wheeler, so they need to replace Aaron Nola. And if the two parties, it sounds like there's like a $50 million gap between what the Phillies are willing to spend and what Nola is willing to sign for. You don't have to worry about that type of gap with Sonny Gray. So if ESPN is right on the money, three years, $69, I think Dave Dabrowski jumps on that. Even if they still have a chance to bring back Aaron Nola, I still think the Phillies would be willing to sign Sonny Gray. So we're back on the same page. We both have Sonny Gray going to Philadelphia. And then number eight on our list is another position player. And that's third baseman, Matt Chapman. And I think his free agency it's going to be interesting because we know defensively, Jim, he is wonderful on the hot, on the hot corner. Mm-hmm. The bat, though, streaky. Matt Chapman could help carry your offense for a month, and then Matt Chapman could disappear for a month. And ESPN's projected contract for Matt Chapman is four years, $100 million. And teams are doing a good job across baseball developing third basemen these days. So there's not too many teams that – 
could use this type of help signing big dollars to Matt Chapman to help out at third base. But the one team that I thought of that is desperate for people to take their money is the San Francisco Giants. So this is where I think the Giants do land a big caliber player in signing Matt Chapman close to what ESPN's projected contract is. And the Giants finally get on the board with a big free agent signing. They finally find someone to take their money. So I got the Giants taking Matt Chapman. How about you? I have him going to the Cubs just because I have the Cubs having the money to spend on somebody. And considering Nick Madrigal is playing a lot of third base for them <laughs> last year, uh, yeah. Chapman seems like an easy upgrade to where even if his bats on the way down between the homers, he can hit the defense he plays and just how pretty deep that lineup should be. Like as long as he's offering a plus tool in any regard, like he should offer the Cubs enough to where like, yeah, happily sign him and, and uh, given where the Cubs are and, you know, I guess the positioning they're trying to strike in terms of like being back to a force in the NL central that Chapman should want to play for them. Yeah. And Sir Thomas in the YouTube comment section, I th brings up a good point in your own same line of thinking, Jim defensively. I mean, you got Matt Chapman and Dansby Swanson on the left side and the Nico Horner at second base. And if they were able to trade for Peter Alonzo, that is a strong infield the mm -hmm. Chicago Cubs would have. And strong enough, I think, that could propel them to be the favorites in winning the National League Central in 2024. And someone, a team you would have to take seriously to contend for the National League pennant. So I like this tight line of thinking that you have and the Cubs going after Matt Chavik because I totally forgot that Nick Magical has been playing a lot of third base. Are you saying there's a big jump in defensive play at third base between Nick Magical and Matt Chapman, Jim? How dare you? How dare you bury a former White Sox draftee like that? <laughs> I, I thought it was adorable the way like uh, Magical had to round off uh, balls at third base and get a running start towards first to get enough on his throws. Like there was a, uh, I want to say it was either Fangrass or Baseball Prospectus had an article about like where he caught the ball or where he fielded the ball and where he threw from and how the distance between uh, you know, one and the other was like far more expansive than like any other average third baseman, like mapping it. It's just like, oh, you know, usually a third baseman takes a crow hop or maybe a step and then a crow hop and like magical is taking three steps in the crow hop just to uh, make sure he got the ball there. Yeah. He's way out of position at third base. So I, I really like that. So Jim's got the Cubs. I got the San Francisco giants, someone that I wasn't expecting to be a free agent, but now is, and I don't know what happened between talks between Eduardo Rodriguez and the Detroit Tigers. Maybe he wants more years, maybe he wants more money, but he is a free agent and ESP, ESPN's projected contract for Eduardo Rodriguez is four years, $72 million. Again, right in the wheelhouse for white Sox spending and the white Sox could use help in the starting rotation front. But Jim, who do you got signing Eduardo Rodriguez? I don't have a good feel for him because when he uh, rejected the trade at the deadline to the Dodgers, like uh, there was a case of like, oh, does he really like Detroit that much? Then it turns out like he just you know didn't want to move at that given time in his life. So I don't really know exactly like 
where he wants to go, if there are geographical concerns or whatnot, but I have him staying with the Tigers and just using this as a leverage ploy to get like maybe another year at the same deal. Um, but I don't really know. Like I, I can see him going a few other places. I kind of crossed off a couple, uh, the Rangers for the arguments you made. I had uh, going mm-hmm. to uh, going there, but I'm going to say this is trying to get one more year from the Tigers. Yeah. If Rodriguez left the Tigers, that's a pretty big blow for Detroit. And again, it's a wide open race in the American League Central. If the Tigers are able to keep Rodriguez, I, I still like their chances of being competitive in what's going to be a really weak American League Central in 2024. I'm going to go a, a different route here. I do think he's going to go to L.A., but it's going to be Anaheim. And I have the mm-hmm. Angels signing Eduardo Rodriguez to kind of throw everybody off. I I don't think Otani is going to come back to the Angels. But... With Rod Washington in place, we know the Angels could really use some help in the starting pitching front. I like Reed Detmers. Uh, I know some others don't, but I think that he is a fine pitcher. But they could use more of the top-end type of guys to help lead the rotation. So I have a surprise here. I got Eduardo Rodriguez signing with the Los Angeles Angels. And that leaves us to the 10th and... (laughs) This projected contract is ridiculous in my opinion, but number 10 on our list, the top available closer, Josh Hader. And ESPN's projected contract for Hader. It sounds like Hader wants more money than Edwin Diaz signed with the New York Mets last year. And that first year did not go according to plan as Diaz unfortunately suffered a significant injury during the World Baseball Classic celebrating a win. But Diaz signed five years, $102 million. It sounds like in the market... That Hader wants to beat that number. So ESPN's projected contract for Hader's five years, $105 million. Really? Are we to the point, Major League Baseball, that we're going to be giving $100 million contracts to closers? Really? Mm-hmm. Really? We're, we're at that stage? Okay. Hader's good. I don't think he's worth $100 million guaranteed. Uh, but they won the World Series. We know that they can use some bullpen help. So I think this is pretty chalky. I've got the Texas Rangers signing Josh Hader to be their closer. How about you, Jim? I do too, just because the Rangers have the money to spend. And I just couldn't quite, couldn't find a fit anywhere for them to spend money, like in a way that addressed a need really well. So that's why I had the Rangers too. The one thing I wonder about is philosophy. Like when it comes to Chris Young and how he views bullpen investments because I mentioned this when I was you know writing about the payroll discrepancy between the White Sox and the Rangers and even though they signed Corey Seager and Marcus Semyon their payroll is only 10 million dollars higher than the White Sox payroll because the White Sox I think spent uh like three times the amount in bullpen and relievers uh Leclerc was their highest paid reliever at six million and they just won the World Series doing it that way. It was a little bit bumpy especially in the middle of the season before they got a role as Chapman and even though Chapman wasn't exactly the guy they needed and Leclerc ended up being the ninth inning guy they they rode in October it was still enough and so I wonder if you know Chris Young sees that and says like why are, why would we spend a hundred million dollars for a reliever when we just won the World Series getting by with relievers investing in the rotation investing in position mm-hmm. players and uh, more or less treating the bullpen as an afterthought and having like Josh Seabors uh, come up and be their best reliever probably besides Leclerc in October when he was a non-roster guy, when he wasn't even on the uh, 26-man roster to open the year. So that's why I wonder, you know, I would personally like to see like 
the Rangers not sign him just because uh, I don't want to see the White Sox lured into another situation where they're spending 40 to $50 million in a bullpen when they have nothing else to, to prop it up. But because I can't see them spending that kind of money or like that's a case where their top dollar goes the farthest. And it is the one case where like they have pretty much everything else. So sure. Yeah. If they're going to spend the money, spend on a reliever. I don't see why not. Uh, But if they don't sign them, I think it's because young, you know, and looks at Mike Maddox and looks at the infrastructure they have on hand said, yeah, we'll, we'll build a good bullpen. We'll figure it out. And if we don't, we have enough talent to trade for guys in the middle of the year and you know, catch a reliever when he's uh, proven that like, this is his year versus trying to invest uh, a lot of money into two and three year contracts. And turns out like, Oh, you're paying for past performance. Yeah. I just think it's crazy signing relievers to five-year contracts. I, there's a, Part of me, it's like, I think it's crazy to sign relievers to three-year contracts with just how volatile they are from year to year with their performance. I, if Josh, I, I, I don't doubt those in the industry that think Josh Hader's going to break Edwin Diaz's record-setting contract for a closer. I don't doubt that. I just think it's crazy for any team to hand over $100 million guaranteed dollars to a closer who... M- will not appear in half of your games of the season and might pitch 70 to 80 innings total. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a yeah. lot of money. That's a lot of money for little work, but Hey, great work. If you can get it. Uh, so try to go get it, Josh Hader, but that, those are our predictions of the top 10 free agents. And again, you can see them on SoxMachine.com and you can make fun of us when we are wrong on where guys will will sign. Again, with Otani, Jim and I both have the Dodgers, Yamamoto, we both have the New York Mets, Blake Snell, I got the Dodgers, Jim's got the Giants, Aaron Nola, we both got the St. Louis Cardinals, Cody Bellinger, I got him coming back to the Cubs, Jim's got him going to the Yankees, Jordan Montgomery, I got Montgomery coming back to the Rangers. Jim's got the Baltimore Orioles. We both think Sonny Gray's going to sign with Philadelphia. Eduardo Rodriguez, I got the Angels. Jim's got him going back to the Tigers. Matt Chapman, I got Chapman going to the Giants. Jim's got him going to the Cubs. And then Josh Hader, we both got him going to the Texas Rangers. So a lot of, we're on the same wavelength with many of these, but there's still, you know, some differences uh, to, to figure out a winner here between us and the free agent pick but our tiebreaker, which I nailed last year, mm-hmm. the biggest free agent signing for the White Sox. Last year, I said it was going to be Andrew Benatendi, and it was, and that signing totally worked out. There are no problems whatsoever with the White Sox giving the largest free agent contract signing to Andrew Benatendi. But with the biggest free agent signing this offseason, Jim, who do you got for the White Sox? Does what Merrifield count? Sure. That would okay, tell me they're not tr- spending a lot of money this offseason. <laughs> like, in terms of, like, trying to get it right, you know, basically like, you're, when you're trying to figure out, like, the White Sox biggest signing, it's like, first you have to figure out a white so- a guy the White Sox would sign and then figure out, like, you know, would it's kind of like betting on a horse for show if you uh, pick Merrifield. Like, if you finish the top, then you can finish the top. At least you have them in the uh, on the payroll, and you're at least right in one regard. So, I'm going to go with Merrifield, and I will hold off on an alternate pick until you pick yours. All right, I'm going with uh, someone that I probably should have put in my off-season plan project. I know some of you did on SoxMachine.com. 
Going with the White Sox back to that Cuban pipeline, Yariel Rodriguez, which we saw him in the World Baseball Classic. He pitched mostly out of the bullpen in Japan, but there are many that think that he can be transitioned into a starting pitcher, and I think that will be the White Sox' biggest free agent signing, something along the lines of like four years, $48 million for the White Sox to bring Yariel Rodriguez into the fold. So that is my big free agent signing for the White Sox. Was that on your mind, Jim, or did you have somebody else? He's, you know, he was on there. I'm just not sure if he's a starter. Like he kind of pitched more in relief in his previous pro experience. So that's what makes me wonder if they are trying to find starters, if he would be the best use of that money. I was kind of wondering about like, if they're going to invest in pitchers and like, cause they need to invest in pitcher, like maybe like Michael Lorenzen just to, get by you know that seems like a guy who would take their money <laughs> or lucas giolito like just ah. on a one-year make good contract given how he ended like if it's just a, such a, a deep pitching market that he can't find the big multi-year deal he wants like just getting back with uh ethan katz maybe brian bannister likes what he's seen or likes what he you know, adjustment he can make like and so it's a reunion but it's not really a reunion or it's more of a like yeah, the goal is to trade you by July type deal. But uh, <laughs> like to me, that's almost a very fitting one just because like, even though like I like Giolito and be like good to have him back because the White Sox could use pitchers, it wouldn't be exciting because you already know who he is and what he looks like, what he does. So it's like, oh, they just got him back. Like, great. There's just not much to write because uh, we already know exactly what he's about versus like somebody new. And uh, will they be making changes? What, you know, what uh, about his game might work? What about his game doesn't work? And uh, mm-hmm. to me, like given, you know, Giolito's natural, um, just his fluctuations and fastball velocity and change up effectiveness and whatnot, like it just be like a kind of a shrug move in terms of like, yeah, w- we all know who this is and he helps, but to what end? Yeah, we got some other predictions in the chat. James Paxton, that's a big signing. I don't even know if he could throw at baseball. Jorge Soler. So Sir Thomas has Jorge Soler is the big free agent signing for the White Sox. Four years, $70 million to pretend to play right field. I mean, the home runs would be fun. I don't mm-hmm. know if Jorge Soler kind of fits into the type of player that Chris Getz and Josh Barfield and other members of the White Sox front office and coaching staff have been highlighted as far as trying to add Lords Guriel from Arizona was another target that I had as like a backup as the White Sox big free agent signing, even though we both agree he can't play right field, but that's never stopped the White Sox to play anyone outside <laughs> of their mm-hmm. position. Uh, so that's another strong possibility. Yeah. yeah Guriel, you know, like that's why I didn't want the Andrew Benintendi signing last year was like, first of all, what does he do well? Like in terms of like, if, if things aren't going, like he does a lot of things. Okay. But in terms of like a carrying tool, what he does well, like Matt Chapman, if his power is kind of mediocre and he's not, you know, he's not squaring the ball up and his average is kind of languishing low two hundreds still plays fantastic defense. You know why you pencil him in the lineup every day. Whereas Benintendi, when the power is not there, like, you know, the OBP is good, but not great. The defense has been gold glove worthy at times and also uh, pretty poor at times. And last year, I think it was pretty poor. Um, And just investing so much in that guy when next year, 
Guriel comes and he might be a good deal for how good of defense he plays in left field and, and what right. he can do in terms of getting on base and uh, some dimensions he provides. And he would probably cost less than Ben and for what he signed. So that's like, it's such a waste to invest that much money in a left field only guy who doesn't hit homers. And I think we're seeing that right now. Hey, I, I said, Jim, there's nothing wrong with that signing. <laughs> Everything totally worked out. Let's see if I'm two for two uh, in the big free agent signing for the White Sox. But let us know in the comments section at SoxMachine.com where you got the top 10 free agent signing and who do you think the White Sox big free agent signing will actually be away from your offseason plans that you filled out on SoxMachine.com. But that will do it for this episode of Sox Machine Live. Thank you guys so much for watching, especially watching the live stream on youtube.com slash socks machine. If this is the first time that you have watched and participated in a live stream, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We greatly appreciate it at youtube.com slash socks machine. And with socks machine live, we always take the audio from the live streams and upload it into our podcast feed, which you can subscribe to the socks machine podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, such as Spotify and Apple music. We're also on social media. We're on all the platforms. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram threads, blue sky, whatever new social media outlets are going to be popping up in the upcoming years. We'll be there. You can follow us. We're at socks machine, or you can follow me at socks machine underscore Josh. If you enjoy our work and you want more, you can get more by becoming a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash socks machine which we're going to be having our curling event which we announced in our previous podcast episode in february only for patreon supporters so that's type of the exclusive community events that we do for our patreon supporters and there'll be more this off season and going to 2024 as well monthly plans start at two dollars or you can pay with an annual subscription again sign up at patreon.com slash socks machine Sox Machine Live is a production of SoxMachine.com. You're on for all things Chicago White Sox baseball and part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Alongside Jim Margulis, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for watching and listening. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.